how can you really take responsibility for your own happiness and not have that be dependent on a relationship? Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, each week I'll chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversation, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator Karen Yates. This week, a listener wants to know, how do I get out? Should I get out? Our panel answers. Plus, my sermon on the pubic mound. Keep listening. Have you heard? Those of you subscribing at the $10 a month level on our Patreon membership site, The Afterglow, will receive a very cool, wild and sublime sticker until the end of November 2021. All Patreon members, no matter the level, enjoy many benefits, such as monthly Q&As with sexperts, my audio creator notes, and more. Or consider a one-time contribution to our tip jar. Help us meet our expenses and spread sex positivity throughout the world. You can access both Patreon and the tip jar in our show notes or at wildandsublime.com. If times are financially tough for you, no problem. Consider forwarding this episode, writing a review, or telling your friends about us. Thank you so much for your listening support and helping us make this podcast what it is. Hey folks, stay or go, that is the question today on this episode. When is it time to get out of a long-term relationship? It's something many of us ponder at some point in our life. The exact question was posed by a Patreon member in a Q&A this past summer, and you'll be hearing from our knowledgeable experts as they respond. And I'll also weigh in on the subject for my Sermon on the Pubic Mound as I recall an old song from childhood. So, our panel today, new to the show, sex therapist Heather Shannon, kink and relationship coach Peter, aka Makes Things Happen, and psychotherapist for love, sex, and gender rebels Matthew Amador. Enjoy. Someone writes, When do you know to end a relationship? I've been with someone for six years. We've lived together, four of them, no kids. Things are getting harder rather than easier, meaning we seem like we are more roommates than partners. We've done some counseling together and it hasn't helped grow the relationship. Neither of us is doing anything different. I tried initially, but didn't see any changes in my partner. I think I'm just afraid to leave. I guess I'm waiting for a breaking point, but maybe that's not going to happen. Do you have any advice? Signed, can't jump. So much to say about this. Okay, Heather, have at it. Okay. I think that that last piece, actually, the waiting for a breaking point is something that I see with so many people. And to me, it feels like there's some element of like not giving yourself full permission to feel how you feel. And I don't know if that's the case with this person. Also, I'm so used to talking to the human and asking like 20 follow-up questions. So I'm going to do the best I can with the information we have. But, you know, clients, people I love in my my personal life have said these things to me like, oh, well, I'm kind of going to wait till our next fight and break up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, like if you already feel not good, you don't need to wait for a big event. So I guess just this idea that we don't have to justify, we don't have to over justify to ourselves, to anyone else, why we're ending it. I also think it's really interesting what this person is saying about going to counseling, but nothing is changing. 
it does make me wonder, is there resistance there? Like, are they usually, because I mean, when I work with relationship partners, there's homework, there's, you know, tips, there's books to read, there's, you know, all exercises to do. So I'm curious, like, are those things not happening? Is it sort of like a quid pro quo almost? Well, like, well, I'm not going to make the effort if you're not making the effort. And I guess I'll just say on that, like, that's not going to be a helpful way to approach a relationship. If it's kind of like, I'm only going to make the effort and be kind of vulnerable if you're going to do it. So I think when we just really take responsibility for ourselves and show up how, like for me, do I want to show up how I want to be in a relationship regardless of what the other person is doing? So that's what I would encourage this person to look at. Like, are you showing up as the relationship partner that you want to be in whatever relationship you wind up in, whether it's this one or something else down the road, and that you're really responsible for your own behavior. And oftentimes what happens is when someone really, really owns that, the other person starts responding to them differently, you know? But it could take a while. There, there is usually a delay. So I'll say that, like, don't do it expecting the other person to respond. Just do it because that's who you want to be. And then the, the original basic question of like, when do you break up? I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. I'm sure Peter will make fun of me for that later. But one of the things that it says is like, first make yourself happy in the current situation and then leave just because you want to go create something else in the world, not because, you know, you're miserable. And I think there's limits to that personally. It's like, if you're being abused, if it's super toxic, but this person's saying roommates, which doesn't sound like any of those super toxic things. So it's kind of like, how can you really take responsibility for your own happiness and not have that be dependent on a relationship, which is not like a quick thing to answer, (laughs) but yeah. No, no. I mean, there are a couple of points I really liked. One point of like change doesn't happen quickly, but I really like this idea of coming from a place of this is who I want to be. Mm -hmm. I am going to be this person in the relationship, no matter what. Yeah. Peter or Matthew thoughts. 7.6% billion. There are 7.6 billion people in the world, which means that if something isn't working out, you probably can find a better match. Here's the thing. If you're asking the question, should I stay in the relationship? That means there's a lot of root causes creating that question. There's a lot of problems. And it is up to the individual to decide if the relationship is going to work for them Is it going to add value? Is it going to enhance their life? Are they going to get something out of it? Or is it going to bring them down? Because quite frankly, when you interact with anyone, either they're going to add value to your life or take it away. It's kind of a simplistic way of viewing things. But the reality is, is that you choose the people that are in your life. I was married for 15 years. The last two years were a roommate situation. We did have kids, so there was definitely a lot of other considerations that needed to happen. It was the house, it was the children, it was finances. There's a lot of legitimate things to stay there. But much like what Heather was alluding to is you need to first decide your value. What do you bring to a relationship? What do you bring to the world? And then decide that the people in your life are going to enhance those values or take away from them. There's, once again, no two ways about it. And if this person has already approached their partner saying, I'm not happy, have taken concrete steps to see a therapist, that is a very proactive thing to do to try to make it work and it's still not working, then the question is, why are you still there? What is preventing you from getting over the fear? Because it's 
scary to be alone, but what is preventing you from getting out of that relationship and working on yourself or finding one of these 7.6 billion people in the world that most likely is a better match? Just to extend just a little bit further, my current relationships are much better than in my marriage, mainly because I clearly defined what I brought to the table and then decided what kind of people I wanted in my life. When I did the self-work, the self-discovery, and it took years, it wasn't just sitting there with a piece of paper and coming up with it. It took a lot of self-reflection, uh, work, mistakes, messing things up. <laughs> but once I had the template, the people that I attracted, the people I spent time with, it was a much easier decision. And you know, it's really easy for me to um, not interact with people who I perceived as having a red flag. I'll stop there. I could go on. Well, I mean, what I what I like about what you're saying is, I mean, at one point you said, well, this is rather simplistic. But, you know, sometimes I think when you're in a relationship, a long term relationship, the mind becomes kind of like a hall of mirrors. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. kind of go around and around and around. And sometimes that really just really basic, like, you know, what's going on here? Is this person adding to my life? Period. Mm -hmm. like, that can be really helpful, you know, yeah. or why am I still here? What is keeping me actually from, from leaving? So yeah, Matthew, what do you, what are you thinking here? Yeah. The, what keeps me from leaving that question? It keeps going through my head and I'm wondering what could keep the person there. I really wish, I really wish I could sit down with jump right now and <laughs> ask some follow-up questions. I, it makes me curious about expectations of the relationship. Have they evolved with you? Are these expectations that are like, are you recognizing flaws within the relationship or concerns about the relationship that just are not meeting your true needs? Or do you have an idea of what the relationship should be, which can sometimes be uh, counterintuitive to actually what you need? Like sometimes I would, yeah, I would love to have a relationship where, oh yeah, great. We're having sex all the time. We're going on a jet over to that other country that doesn't have COVID and we're caviar, champagne. That's great. I'm probably not going to get that right now. One thing COVID is in most countries. So that's one thing that's off the, off the menu right there, but I might not get that. It sounds cool. It's hyped up in a lot of a romantic notion of a relation like that can be sold to us through media, through TV, through books. Maybe it's not true for what I actually want. Like if I sit down and I think about it, I'm like, actually, you know what? What could be cool is just macaroni on the, on the sofa. <laughs> that could be awesome. So I would just do some, I would, I would be curious about what their personal expectations are. Just to be clear about them. Not at all to gaslight them and be, and be like, oh no, you must be wrong about this. No, just to clarify. Then once, once that is underway, then I'd be curious about, yeah, why haven't you left yet? Why? There's a thing that a lot of us do where we, for some reason, think things have to be absolutely terrible. Things have to absolutely be rock bottom before we can actually make a change like this in our lives. And that's not true. That's not true. There's so many things we do in our lives right now that we don't wait until things are absolutely catastrophic. I don't wait until I am completely stinky to go take a shower. <laughs> Sometimes it's just time. Okay. Any other thoughts? Yeah. One, one thing I want to say, and this is a little bit, cause I, I know Peter, but you know, I feel like, <laughs> don't worry, Peter, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but like, 
you know, you're saying, yeah, find people who line up with you. And there's all these billions of people in the world. Yes. And like, you're someone who really puts work into your relationships too. Like you have done so much personal growth work and you've really worked on like your side of the street. And so that I just kind of want to like reiterate that like, yes, go find someone who like fits well with you. But if you haven't worked on your side of the street, you're going to be bringing those problems into whatever relationship you go into next. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. We're all like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) To kind of piggyback, clarify, one of the reasons I am capable of walking away from a relationship and it didn't have to be something bad happen, as Matthew was saying, I am quick in the beginning if someone doesn't jive with me by violating some of the things that I are that are important to me is because I have mm-hmm. done the work and I do know what I bring to the table and I can articulate <laughs> what I bring to the table. And I, once again, just know my values. So why would I, quote unquote, waste my time with an individual that really is not going to, once again, enhance my life. And it sounds very selfish. And on one hand, it is, but it is your life. (laughs) You know, how can you make someone else happy if you're not happy? I think that was said. Well, you need to be able to define clearly what makes you happy. And when you can do that, things just open up for you. I 100% agree in the fact that like the more I know myself as I go on, the clearer I am when choosing a partner, period. I mean, it's really that simple. And I don't have to go on endless dates. It's like sometimes just a text on a dating app is like, oh, okay, no, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe like two years ago, I'd be like, oh, I'm okay. Hmm. Yeah. Matthew. I was about to say, Peter, you made you comment that said this thing is, is selfish. I don't think it's selfish. I think it's for yourself, but it is in no way taking away from somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. There's not a word in the English language that is f- about for yourself. We seem to use selfish a lot and it has a very negative tinge to it. And what you're talking about is not hurting anybody. It's not hurting a damn person, Peter. Go fucking be you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it actually saves the hurt. I have messed up many relationships in my life. This is why I've taken the stance and I have realized that by doing the hard decision now, it saved me from uh, bad experiences. And I've lived long enough where I have seen me make a decision that I'm like, oh, was that really the right call? And five years down the line, I go, yep. I meet the person or I see them in another relationship. I'm like, missed that bullet. <laughs> and, you know, you were talking about acknowledging what you bring to the table. It reminds me of what the uh, what Can't Jump was talking about going into uh, relationship therapy and not feeling like anything's changed. It reminds me that no matter how much extra credit we put into a relationship, we are only going to be 50% of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. No matter how much extra credit you're doing, you're only going to be up to 50%. So really, you need that other person to actually come and meet you halfway. I disagree with the percentage. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? Yes. Let's hear it. Let's hear the wisdom. Uh, Assuming that you want the relationship to work long term, it's 100-100. You're given 100% of yourself. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're dedicating your life to this individual, but you are looking to improve your life with this person in it. So, you know, you have to make concessions for part being a relationship but you're not giving yourself half to this person. You're all of it, your flaws, 
your positive stuff, your annoyances, your pet peeves, your, all of it is there, whether a person wants to realize it or not. Uh, and it's really up to you to make sure that you are doing the best job you can with the hundred that you're giving them. Well, actually, this is reminding me of what Heather began with, with this idea of be the person you want to be in any relationship. You are you. So it's more like just step into it and be it. And I mean, Matthew, don't get me wrong. I totally understand what you mean, like that if the other person is not and I've been in those situations where it's like, dude, I'm doing all the fucking work. <laughs> like, I'm holding the emotional me luggage. Too, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me, too. me too. And I'm also presuming that the relationship we're talking about, this idealized relationship is one that promotes mutuality. Isn't, isn't like a power exchange relationship, for instance, or isn't like a secondary where you're going to put secondary energy into it. Like I'm going to assume that is not the case, but yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Heather, did you want to say something about holding emotional luggage? Oh, Hermes. Or Versace luggage. No. <laughs> I keep mine in a target bag. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, either way, it's heavy. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm thinking back to a relationship, you know, with a nice human, but it was one of those things where it's, and I think especially as a therapist, sometimes I'm like, well, if we just try hard enough, like transformation is possible. And like, we could, you know, just learn and just figure it out. And we went to couples counseling actually. And my big takeaway, and, and the counselor was cool because he was like, you know, what is going to allow you to thrive as an individual? You know, and he's like, you're not married. There's no like, you know, religious sacrament or legal bond happening here. So like, what is going to allow you to thrive? And it just became very clear that it's like, oh, like, I'm really trying to force this. Like, I'm really trying to just like dig in and like make this be a fit mm -hmm. when like there's some fundamental differences that like are just never going to line up. And so I think just really accepting that and not making our lives more difficult. I highly recommend that. Absolutely. That's actually what I was thinking of in terms of like, you know, you're only going to, you're responsible for 50% of the relationship, not 50% of the energy, 50% mm -hmm. of, the, of the relationship. And if you do extra credit to try to make it fit, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not yours to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're reminding me of the old, the Germanic original version of Cinderella, where the stepsisters were cutting their toes and heels off to fit into yes. the glass slipper. Yes, <laughs> and then you can kind of okay. What are all these like shoulds and like supposed tos that we have that we're like, mm -hmm. I must pack off my foot to fit in the slipper. We're like doing it emotionally. Yeah. It's terrible. And being in a relationship, not the work behind it, but being with someone should be easy it should be yeah. organic i mean think about your best friend in life if you say who's your best friend and this person you name there was not a lot of work forging that relationship it just happened and you love that person to death you'll do anything for them because they accept you for who you are and vice versa and for some reason in relationships, and I think Matthew was talking about movies and books, and you're supposed to have this meet cute and, and all this stuff is piled on it where it's supposed to be perfect. And that's not really going to happen. It's not really happen. It should be easy. Maintaining it, getting what you need, that requires work. But being with them should be easy. For more information on Heather Shannon, Makes Things Happen, and Matthew Amador, go to our show notes. Wild and Sublime is supported in part by our Sublime supporter, Full Color Life Therapy. 
therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. And when I am not producing Wild and Sublime, I work with folks helping them to shift energetic and emotional patterns in their bioelectric field using frequency. Similar to acupuncture, except with sound, biofield tuning, as this method is known, gently restores energetic flow to the body and can be done remotely. Go to karen-yates.com or the show notes to book a session or learn more. And now it is time for my sermon on the pubic mound. So for the lead-in to today's episode, I was going to rip the iconic intro performed by drummer Steve Gadd to Paul Simon's song, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. You know, it goes boom, 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 So as I went to listen to it on YouTube, I stumbled onto another video, drummer Steve Gadd himself showing a dude how he pulled the riff together. And it's complicated. So then I see another video of another drummer breaking it down even further to the point where it's completely comprehensible to a beginner. And I'll stick all of those links in the show notes, by the way. So I got to thinking about these two videos and how what's easy for some people is not easy for others. And in listening to the panel again, I began thinking about the reasons people stay in relationships. Things that didn't come up today at all in the original question, but do keep people in relationships can be financial reasons, children, perhaps illness, disability. So there are many reasons, tangible, but usually intangible, that we tell ourselves about why we need to stay in a relationship. Those reasons, as complicated as they seem, can be worked through if we're determined to work through them. Maybe we need to make a financial plan or a housing plan before we tell our partner we're leaving or create a network of support to help move us out, figuratively and literally. The most important thing, though, and something that was alluded to today was, why am I telling myself I can't leave? What is it that I'm most afraid of? Being alone, that I'll never be with anyone else again, or that I'll somehow not make it? whatever that means. While most of our fears are groundless, until we look at them carefully and break them down piece by piece, like the drum solo, can we begin to slowly change our perspective in order to make beneficial changes for ourselves? Maybe we need to engage a professional to look at trauma patterns, a seemingly invisible matrix that can keep us in situations long after the expiration date. Whatever action is needed, small steps do eventually add up, giving us the courage we need to leave. Next week, do you need a sexual surrogate? We talk to two surrogates about all the questions. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. Do you like what you heard? Then give us a nice review on your podcast app. You can follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. I'd like to thank associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David Ben Porat. This episode was edited by the Creative Imposter Studios. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, Feminist Media, at rebelliousmagazine.com. Rebellious Magazine.